So, Father, you've been here. We've been talking about the seven deadly sins. Yep, that's right. And <laughs> which one are we focusing on this well, afternoon? Uh, we're going to talk about this, this about this deadly sin of sloth this afternoon. You know, in other words, laziness. Yes. So. So, uh, well, once again, uh, my name is Father John Calgaro, conventional Franciscan priest from the Shrine of St. Maximilian Colby, known also as Marytown, located right here in Libertyville, Illinois. So, uh, I'm back again to uh, talk with you folks about the seven deadly sins. Uh, so, we dusted the deadly sin of, last, of lust last time. So let us continue and discuss another deadly sin, like I mentioned, is the sin of sloth. You know, the ancient desert fathers of the church called sloth the noonday demon. I suppose in large part because at that hour we become kind of sluggish and lethargic and reluctant to apply ourselves to work and apply ourselves to do spiritual exercises. Of course, we can, we can become lazy, lethargic, and sluggish at any time of the day. I find myself personally more spiritually sluggish at nighttime when there's a tendency to fall asleep, often when doing prayers and meditation. Sloth manifests itself in many ways. Sloth is an in the inclination to idleness, to aimlessness, and to apathy in action. St. Thomas Aquinas defines sloth as a sluggishness of the mind which neglects to do good. Now there is physical sloth which is manifested by laziness. The slothful person wants to escape exertion, tries to get away from the obligation to work, does not want to do anything that might cause some discomfort. A lot of kids in the house are slothful. They don't want to do the chores. They want to clean up after themselves. This slothful person would rather be like a parasite and live off the labors and fruits of others. And we know there are a lot of people like that in the world. In our country, we have many people who are physically capable of work, but who would rather receive welfare or live in the streets and beg. Now, some people will work, but they try to do the least possible, the very minimum necessary. I fear that this prolonged pandemic lockdown has made many people lethargic and downright lazy. And when the lockdown is finally lifted and they're still ha they still have jobs, will all eagerly return to the grind of work? Well, I hope so. If our laziness makes us neglect our civil duties in life, we offend Almighty God. The degree of our sin depends on the degree of our neglect. Say, for example, if a person has a family to support, but instead of working, spends his time in games and entertainment, that would be a serious neglect and therefore a serious sin. And then we have uh, what is we could cause spiritual sloth. We become lazy and apathetic in the practice of our faith. We allow ourselves to backslide and neglect our prayers and devotions. 
This, of course, will have serious consequences in our spiritual life and in our quest for eternal salvation. In fact, I would say the deadly sin of sloth is very dangerous to fall into because it can lead us to other sinful deviations. We can even lose our faith because of our lazy attitude in the practice of the faith. When we give in to sloth, we stop going to Mass on Sunday, stop receiving the sacrament of reconciliation, stop praying. Of course, now you can't go to Mass very easily on Sunday. It's limitation. But when we can go to Mass, people are get lazy and they don't go. By giving in to sloth, we open ourselves to temptation and are more likely to fall into other categories of sin. St. Paul, therefore, exhorts us to be always vigilant. He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You see what St. Paul here is urging us? Work out your salvation. Don't be lazy. Don't take it for granted. Because if we let sloth overtake us, we could possibly lose our eternal salvation. Another deadly effect of, effect of sloth is apathy or indifference to, or to our faith. Our faith becomes less and less meaningful in our lives. St. John the Apostle in the book of Revelation calls out the apathy of the church in Laodicea. In the book of Revelations we read, I know your works. I know that you are, you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Revelation chapter 3 verses 15 to 16. So many Catholics are like lukewarm Christians St. John talks about. Many half-heartedly, if at all, accept the teachings of the church. Instead of being the light of Christ in the world that Jesus wants them to be, they would rather be politically correct and compromise their beliefs in order to be on the good side of the world. Our culture has been corrupted because too many lazy and apathetic Christians failed to be light. As Cardinal Surratt states in his book that he wrote last year entitled, The Day is Now Far Spent. He says these words are very prophetic, I believe. If Christianity makes a pact with the world instead of enlightening it, Christians are not being faithful to the essence of their faith. The lukewarmness of Christianity in other church causes decline of civilization. Christianity is the light of the world. If Christianity no longer shines, it helps plunge humanity into darkness. So my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, are we shining? Let us not be overcome by the spirit of apathy and indifference. St. Paul exhorts and warns us, It is the hour for you to wake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now at hand than we first believed. The night is advanced, the day is at hand. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 12. This sleep, St. Paul refers to, is our spiritual sloth, 
or spiritual laziness. As Christians, we must, of course, reject sins, sins of commission, but we are also called to reject sins of omission. The good things we should have done as Christians, but we didn't do them. And, and why didn't we do them? Not down in large precarious because we were lazy and gave in to sloth. Jesus said in the Gospel of St. Matthew, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did it for me. And then Jesus adds, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do it for me. There are many times when we can serve and help others in their need, but our sloth keeps us from saying yes. Another manifestation of sloth is lack of punctuality. There are folks who always seem to be late for appointments, social events, and for church services. Sometimes they're, they're late only by a few minutes, but they're always late. The German people, you know, are known for their punctuality. With them, if you're five minutes early, you're late. Other people have a more relaxed attitude with punctuality. You folks know that I, I lived many years in Mexico serving there. Well, back in Mexico, where I served for 32 years together with Brother Pascual Metzger, now stationed in Marytown since 2012, we would get together and pray at 6.15 in the morning in the parish church. There was a young Mexican priest of our order stationed with us. He had a hard time being on time. Invariably, he would come at least five minutes late every day. So Brother Pasco would say to him good-heartedly in Spanish, Padrecito, I think you must have made a vow not to be on time. When I was in Mexico, it was a challenge to get people to come on time for meetings. So what I would do is calculate the beginning of the meeting a half hour after the announced time. For example, if, if I wanted a meeting to be, say, at 6 p.m. in the evening, I would tell the people the meeting is going to be at 6.30 p.m. So by the time 7 p.m. rolled around, everybody was present. To overcome sloth during the day, the first moments upon awakening are crucial. As soon as you wake up, don't dilly-dally. Get up right away and begin your routine. Otherwise, if you give in to sloth at the beginning of the day, you'll be giving in to sloth the rest of the day. The beginning moments of your day set the tone for the rest of the day. To overcome sloth, we have to avoid idleness. One of the things we like to do or tend to do a lot is waste time. We often don't make good use of our free time and, and we abuse it. This can lead us into sin. The saying, idleness is the devil's workshop, is so true. St. Jerome in the 4th century, 4th century father of the church once wrote commenting on the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 27. He said, Engage in some occupation so the devil may always find you busy. And of course, if he doesn't find us busy, he will gladly fill up the vacuum. <laughs> 
Our Lord's words in the gospel are powerful words to remind us not to waste time. He wants us to produce concrete fruits of labor in the world, both in the temporal and spiritual realm. In the gospel of St. Matthew, St. John the Baptist, inspired by Almighty God, no less, declared to the, to the people, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. And that tree represents us in our Christian life. God expects good fruits from us. In the Gospel of St. Luke, we have the parable of the barren, the barren fig tree. The owner of the fig tree expected fruit from his tree. For three years, he waited for fruit, but the tree gave none. But he allowed one more year, and at the end of the year, the tree is still barren. He told the gardener, you can cut it down. Again, that tree, that fig tree, is Jesus, the symbol of Jesus, of his disciples who are barren in good works. In the parable of the talents of, in the chapter 25 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus praises and blesses abundantly those who worked hard and produced more talents. The master said to, to those two who doubled their talents, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come and show your master's joy. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. But to the servant who was lazy and did nothing with his talent, the master said to him, You wicked, lazy servant. The master took his talent away and gave it to the servant who multiplied his talents. And he said to those around him, Throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where they were wailing and grinding their teeth. Matthew chapter 25, verse 30. So, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if we want a place in heaven, we'd better strive to overcome our sloth and begin to produce abundant works, abundant good works in this life. We know it takes a lot of effort and sacrifice, but the things that are really worthwhile in life involve sacrifice. And of course, there's nothing more worthwhile, nothing more important, nothing more glorious than eternal life in heaven. So let us cast aside our sloth, let us sacrifice ourselves, spending time in prayer and doing and going to confession and receiving Holy Communion frequently. God will surely give us the graces to defeat the deadly sin of sloth. Well, I hope all you folks out there are doing fine and keeping healthy. God's blessings be upon you. And Lord willing, I'll be back next week to discuss another deadly sin, the deadly sin of avarice, also known as greed. Father, thank you so much. I have a question for you. Okay. Okay. So, can there be institutional sloth? Or is it individuals? Well, institutions are made of people. So you got to let lazy people in the institution. The institution will be lazy. It will be slothful. If it's a... Uh, a custom or a, 
institutionalized practice, I don't think that institution will survive. Are you speaking more in the sense of uh, sloth, in the sense of apathy? Or lack of zeal? Well, you better have a point there. As far as spiritual apathy, as spiritual sloth is concerned, we seem to be in those doldrums right now. There seems to be a little bit of that spiritual apathy in the church, you know, as far as evangelization. Because, you know, evangelization is not just having meetings and producing a lot of beautiful document, documents, but actually getting out and converting people. And that aspect of evangelization doesn't, doesn't seem to be very present. So I suppose the aspect of proclaiming the fullness of God's truth to the world and going out to try to convert people to those truths, I think maybe a little bit lazy in that respect. But it, it comes cloaked in uh, wisdom or, like you had said, political correctness. Like it comes cloaked in, I've heard a lot, preach often and if necessary use words or you can't shove your opinion down. There's been like a lot of different rationalizations used, but the result has been, you know, the declining number of Catholics and the fervor of the remaining Catholics. And I'm just wondering, you know, when we were looking back at lunch about what's happened to our church or accepting things, maybe accepting things that are going on in the culture that we should know better. Well, don't you think uh, political correctness is institutionalized apathy? Yeah. So I never sense. looked at it that way. I never looked at it that way. So, you know, why bother people converting them? You let them be as they are. We don't want to upset anybody, you know. And, of course, it's also based on erroneous doctrine that, uh, you know, all people, all people, uh, have a reason to hope to be saved or going to be saved regardless of what religion they belong to. So why, why, why expound and insist upon belonging to the Catholic Church? And quite frankly, a lot of people in church, even certain higher authorities in the church, don't believe that. They don't believe the Catholic Church is the one true religion. So there you have a, an excuse for not converting people. You have to make the effort to convert people. You don't believe the Catholic Church is the one true church. Just be kind, be nice, and give a social message, you know. And just say, well, let's love each other, and, you know, we'll be fine and good, and we'll all go to heaven. So that makes, that makes people, that makes the church spiritually lazy. Causes indifference and apathy. Or the other, the other one is talking to a few priests lately. They're 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 not allowed to go out, and they're older, and so they're they're not. They said, "Well, we're not allowed to go out." And so I said, "Well, is there like a trigger point? Is something going to happen that you're ever going to go out, or are you just never ever going to be able to go out for the rest of your life?" And at what point? I said, "You know, do you want to look back for the last couple years of your life?" and say, I was locked in my room, and so this particular priest said, well, I'm allowed to go out on the balcony. But I'm thinking there's something really sad. I don't know if it's sloth, but there's something really sad that's going on.
because in human terms it's very wise for them to not risk going out but on the other hand when you look back in the eyes of God and say how, like you were mentioning with your talent how did you spend your last few years on earth I was just in my room afraid to go out because I might get sick it's like if you lose your life in this world you'll gain it but if you gain you know what I'm saying father like there's kind of like a a cultural sloth or I don't know it might not be sloth I might not be discerning it correctly but it causes me great sadness to see these beautiful priests and other people that are now at the point at what point in their life are they ever going to feel like they can do anything at all other than sit in their rooms well I think that you're, you're referring to the situation right now because of the Yes, pandemic the pandemic and that triggered. Yeah, the pandemic triggered uh, it. In well, a while I, I think it's, you know, it's just like this. Sure, the pandemic can make us lazy, both temporarily lazy and spiritually lazy. A lot of people might not want to go back to work, and some priests, religious, might not want to go back to work either. I think it's up to them. Up to them. To exert themselves, yeah, you mean, sure, to exert sure. themselves and it's say, "Okay, it's time." If you're really committed to the gospel, then you're gonna, you're gonna put your, put yourself and sacrifice yourself to do something for the kingdom of God. Sure. Now, sometimes the if the superior say, "Don't go out because you're over seventy or something like that," well, that's because of the pandemic. They don't want to get them sick. That's my case. You know, I don't go out as much as I used to. I used to go to the, the abortion mill there in Wooddale on Saturday mornings, but uh, I don't go there anymore because of fears that I might get infected and then bring the infection back to Marytown. I don't think that will happen. The possibility of that happening, I think, is slim. But uh, our, our, our in-house caretaker suggests I don't go out. And the friars, too, expressed some kind of alarm that I was going out. So I don't want to get people upset. And if people get infected in Marytown, I might get blamed for it. And that'd be something I'd be truly sorry for. So I myself, you know, don't go out like I used to. And the Pilgrim Version Ministry, too, that I, mm -hmm. I started in, in charge of, uh, we don't go to people's homes because, you know, we might get infected there or we might bring infection to them. There might be cause of of uh, fear, mutual fear and that and that and, and that account. So we stop doing that, so don't go out. So a lot of it is not so much don't want to, it's just prudent prudently speaking, we don't want we don't we we desire not to avoid any type of harm that might arise as a consequence. Yeah. Except if you look at those New York numbers, sixty six percent of the people got it with people who stayed home. <laughs> Another 18% was in long term. So over 80% of the people were the people who were trying to play it safe. Well, and yet the listen. people that is so it's so interesting, Father, the way the Lord, you know, there's, there's got to be at some point to me anyway, and then we'll get back <laughs> to regularly scheduled programming. But someone decided somewhere that the world is a safer place without any mass, and the world is a safer place without any sacraments. Someone made that very human decision. And then you look what the decline of the masses and the decline of the sacraments, and then you turn on the television and say, is there a correlation with the path that humanity's on when you don't have, you know, Padre Pio said what, you could 
you could uh, the, you, the world could better live without oxygen than without the mass. And so then you wonder, like, is is uh, is our spiritual is our spiritual immunity being weakened by this very wise decision, quote unquote, wise decision in the eyes of the world to to shut down the things that we know provide us life. Well, you know, the decisions behind the treatment of this virus is subject to a lot of uh, different varying opinions and the reason why, you know. And I don't know if it's, it's wise to discuss some of those divergent opinions. But basically, some authorities, if you listen to other authorities on this issue, which we're not listened to, they believe that the whole procedure of counteracting this virus is completely wrong, contrary to science. Now, I think uh, the administration, President Trump, uh, tried to do the best they, th they could with the people they had available, who were supposedly experts, and they had to confide in those experts. And I do believe if another virus comes out from whatever country it might come from, I think a different approach will be will be taken completely different than the one that we had in this particular virus. Yeah, but it's continuing even here, like in Illinois, because you can't go to Independence Grove and use a bathroom, and someone's uh, husband just died, and she told me they haven't had anyone in the coroner's office in Cook County for over three, they can't get a death certificate. They're still not showing up. Like, it's what you were talking about. Everything is still, you know, it's, it's a very slow, painful process that we're all learning from. So, Father, thank you so much for your beautiful talk. Would you give us your priestly blessing? Sure. Here it comes. Get ready for it. I'm ready. Blessed the mighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Thank you, Father, and God bless you. We'll go back to regularly scheduled programs.